0: Welcome to the Arizona podcast. Hey, episode 21.
1: 21. Keys to the door. Old enough to drive. No, old enough to drink out oh. in the US of America.
0: Yeah. So um. there's there's a, a thing in the UK as well. I don't know if it's maybe just Scotland, but when you're 21, you're supposed to get the keys to your house.
1: Your own house.
0: Uh what, well, your, parents, or your house. parents' house? I think it's like now you're responsible enough. All oh, right. Keys to the door. I've never heard that. Uh, maybe it's a Fife thing.
1: Possibly. I got my I got the keys to my parents' house when I went to high school cuz I, I don't know. That's cool. I've never heard that. Not as exciting as being able to drink though, is it? (laughs) I guess. Unless you're wanting to throw some mad house party. Yeah, Um, a combination of the both.
0: Yeah. Um, So I'm Brian. Uh, I'm Liam. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Uh, We're going to talk about video games for the next hour or so.
1: Quite possibly, yeah. Some good ones.
0: First off, let's start off with last week's competition.
1: The the poorly remembered game quote. That's right. It was your one. Yeah, it was. So, uh, in case you don't remember, the quote from last week was... Your name will go down in history as the boneheaded space idiot who destroyed precious data at the first alien archaeological site. And shall I reveal who that was now? That Please do. That was Ludger Brink from the game The Dig.
0: I'm not doing archaeology
1: right now, Brink. I'm looking for something
0: to help get us home. Your name will live forever. As the boneheaded space hero who destroyed precious data at the first alien archaeological site.
1: That's better than having my name live forever. As a commander of an expedition that disappeared and
0: was never heard from again.
1: Now get out of the way if you aren't going to help, Frank. Which what? is the, uh, maybe a lesser known, classic, uh, LucasArts point-and-click adventure game from the 90s. Right. Um One of my favorites, uh, I'm sure like... I'm sure some people have heard of it, like most people from the time who played those games obviously will know it because
0: it's, it's pretty obscure right yeah
1: it is it is now. I think that's maybe time has not been kind to it as in people have forgotten it but um the the premise of it basically, if you've ever seen the film Armageddon, you'll at least be some way familiar with this story. It's the story of uh Earth being faced with destruction by a massive asteroid that is hurtling through space on a collision course um with us. Uh, and we are gonna send our best and brightest. Um, this time at least. There's no uh oil rig miners going into space. There's a journalist, a scientist, and an army commander. Why would you time. spend send a journalist? Uh this is actually do you know what it, it's full on Armageddon. Why would you send a journalist? It's in the story they're like, we need somebody who can go up there and show people that we are trying our best to destroy this thing for some reason. Fair play. And so she goes up, um, also she's maybe a scientist too but is also a journalist I can't remember but she definitely studies for ages to become uh, an astronaut they're like she's been studying we've known about this asteroid for ages it's not just appeared so she has been training for a year or whatever she's to be not an just astronaut. a You're not just a blogger Yeah it's not just it's yeah um so she goes up with them uh, the scientist and the astronaut and the commander he's not really an astronaut i think he's a he's an army commander uh, and they go up to this asteroid to plant nuclear devices on the asteroid mm-hmm. to blow it off course. I think that's exactly the story from Armageddon. They yeah. do that. That's why they need to drill stuff. But um, they get there. This is a, this is like five minutes into the game, so it's mm-hmm. not a spoiler. This is the premise of the game. The asteroid is a portal to an alien planet. And on the alien planet, you find that um, they're all dead. And there's no way back home. You don't know why they brought you there. They don't know how they brought you there. So you have to find out why you're there. Um, and the character in question, Brink, my favorite thing about him and the journalist is they are complete narcissistic assholes. Everyone who goes there is a narcissistic asshole, but these people are also very much in love with their own intellect. Okay. Like they're smart, a scientist and a journalist. So they look down on the main character who is a, just an army. Commander, that's sure. all he does, but actually, um, throughout the entire game, they are snide. They make snide remarks, they talk down to him, they patronize him, they make fun of him, and they're just downright horrible to him. And he's there just like, hey, do you want to help me? I'm going to go and um, find out what this uh, machine I found over here does, um, because I think it could help get us off this planet. And they're like, oh, fuck you. Um, we're going to go and uh, I'm studying these alien runes. Can you not see I'm working? Why don't you go off and kill something, you stupid army commander? And you're like, Rude. yeah, so you, you're like, oh, okay. And you go off and you fix the machine and you find out that there's a dead alien inside it and he's going to help like, you know, that helps you do another thing and you get off the planet. Mm. And the whole time these two intellectuals, actually, it's maybe a very anti-intellectual game. Right. I don't know if that's their intent, but it comes off like and the, if, the I, army I, guy saves the day. The intellectuals were too busy studying rocks to get off. And that's where this quote comes into play. He, is like I'm going to get this thing that's over there and yeah. I'm going to use it to get us off the planet and they're like no you can't disturb this ground it's it's archaeological we must study it and he's like fuck you we're going to die we're we're stuck here with no food or water yeah so um priorities yeah so uh that is the dig it was a Steven uh, Spielberg project and he yeah. wanted to use that story that he'd written on his TV show called Amazing Stories mm-hmm. um but Which was a Twilight Zone type TV show. Okay. Or Are You Afraid of the Dark? Where it's a weekly story mm-hmm. on a, a sort of a, a matinee type show where it's a different story each week. And he, for whatever reason he couldn't do it. So he went and said to LucasArts, why don't you just make it into a game? And they did. So check that out if you've never played it. It's one of my all-time favorite point-and-click adventure games. Sweet. Yeah. And uh, no entries. No, No one got it. No. Which isn't entirely surprising the only other person i know who's played it is tom and that was after i badgered him for about a year to play it so so the prizes roll over uh kind of still Um, up for grabs we're going to do something different
0: Mm. because the the game quote is as fun as it is it's maybe not that popular with the audience so here here's the deal right tell us about what you've been playing in the last week and tell us a little bit about it it doesn't have to be an essay just let us know if you're enjoying it what you think we'll choose one listener story And uh, they can win a a random Steam code. We've got a few different games up for grabs. Uh, Last week it was Guacamelee Gold Edition Mm. and Super Meat Boy because it was a rollover prize. But we'll just start handing them at a random. If uh, if you get a code for a game you've already got, give it to a friend. It's just for fun, really. Yeah. Just a little bit of incentive.
1: And it'll be nice to hear about what you've been playing, you know.
0: It'll be great, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd it'd be really cool to get more of our listeners uh, Mm. on the show.
1: Yeah. I believe we are still going to be doing the... Probably remembered Game Of course, we do yeah. have another one at the end of the show. Dave's quote in absentia. It's a good one as well. I think so. Uh, I think it's deceptively obscure. Mm. That might be a little bit of a hint. Okay. Too much of a hint? Probably not. So let's move on to the news.
0: Okay, cool. We did mention the, the Destiny stuff last week. Of course, week. that is
1: news. Yeah. There's some fantastic news. Depends how much you like Destiny. Obviously, if you've ever listened to this podcast, maybe in the earlier days, you know I do love Destiny. Mm. Um, Destiny 1 is coming to an end in, well, three years it'll be in September. So it's not yet coming to an end. Uh, But Destiny 2 is on the horizon. I think you spoke about that a little bit last week. Yeah. Um, So, uh, on Wednesday Bungie revealed their Age of Triumph. And if you don't know, at the end of each year of Destiny, each calendar year, well I guess it's a Destiny year because it runs from September to September. Okay. That's the Destiny year. At the end of each year, they have a Moment of Triumph Mm. event where you can go and you have to complete a series of challenges and they can be run the raid on hard mode, do all of the quests, get all of these items or whatever. A set of challenges. Mm. And if you finish those challenges before the end of this Moment of Triumph, so it's a set period of time you have to do these challenges, you will get uh, the first year you got an emblem. That's all you got, which is like a badge that you can wear on your profile. Mm. It goes beside your name tag on the game. And it tells people, "This is I've done this. This is what I've done." And I think there were some more in-game titles last year. Um, for Age of Triumph Year Two, they did you got an emblem, and you were uh, then given a code to buy a T-shirt off the website, which was specifically for people who completed the, the moments of triumph. It had like a nice design with the challenges on the back of the T-shirt and your gamer tag on your arm.
0: Is that the one you picked up as well?
1: Uh, I have that one. Yeah, it's okay. blue um, on black, and that was really fun this year. There are several emblems because there's so many different ways you can do it. And then the final reward, if you complete, I think it's like 75% of the book. Uh, They do record books on Destiny now. So a record book is just a series of things that you can complete. And the book keeps track of your process. Okay, And then depending on your percentage of completion of the book, you get rewards. There's like tier 1, 10% of the book. Tier 5, 50% of the book. Um, And each tier is an emblem. The final tier is a t-shirt. Again... It's your final Destiny Year One Triumph t-shirt, and you can only buy that t-shirt if you completed the Age of Triumph record book. But here's the thing. Destiny is a game of dualities, maybe. There are two main types of player, if you don't know. There's the player versus environment players, Mm -hmm. and then there's the player versus player players. Sure. People who like to do the raids, people who like to do multiplayer pvp games and those players are often not the same players if you find somebody's good at pvp they don't raid they just play pvp okay i'm a pve player i suck at pvp so um usually with these moments of triumph game uh things it's all pve content uh this time it's everything it's a celebration of destiny as it was in destiny 1 there's a raid page in the record book there's um a pvp page in their record book. There's Trials of Osiris, which is competitive PvP. It's harder. It's 3v3. They tried to do this sort of esports type thing. It never took off. It's very fun, but Destiny is a niche game now, kind of, I would say. So you wouldn't necessarily find a lot of crossover So you don't need to 100% the record book. You only need to get a certain percentage of it, which is kind of strange. So here's the thing. Destiny 1 is coming to an end. And I don't know if you mentioned last week, but Destiny 2 is starting again. We're wiping the slate clean in terms of progress did mention that, yeah. Yeah, so this has been confirmed. The only thing that is being carried over is your appearance. Right. Um, No weapons, no skins, nothing. You will be getting year one rewards at the start of Destiny 2. So if you did things in year one, they said, we're going to recognize your achievements and give you things Mm -hmm. that will show people what those achievements are. And historically in Destiny, those have been emblems. Mm -hmm. You get an emblem when you've done something that you have achieved. You've beaten a certain boss, you get an emblem for that boss. Destiny 1's Age of Triumph is the end of Destiny 1 event. So after that, most players will have, if you've done the Age of Triumph, by definition, doing that means you've exhausted most of the content in Destiny 1. But the rewards for doing that are emblems, which aren't being carried over to Destiny 2. Okay. In, in as much as we understand the press release, which said nothing is being carried over, just your appearance. Right. Why are they giving us emblems as a reward for doing something which is meant to mark the end of Destiny 1 and the beginning of Destiny cuz they're purely cosmetic, 40. right? They are. There is no gameplay benefit to this. And these emblems are very specific. If you're a raider, you will have an emblem that says to me in Destiny raiding was the most important thing and I have achieved, you know, the the high like the highest In raiding. I've done all of the raids at the hardest level and completed them. So, that says, well, there's no more raids for you in Destiny 1. You've done them all. Move on to Destiny 2. Here's a nice emblem. But you won't have it in Destiny 2? Yeah. Like, I don't want to complain, because I'm quite happy to leave Destiny 1 as Destiny 1 and move forward. Destiny, uh, at its core, is move on to the next thing. Yeah. It's a loot treadmill. So loot at the start of Destiny 1 is not relevant even now in Destiny 1. You can't play with it. You can't use it. You can keep it. You can put it on sometimes and go, don't I look cool? To me, though, it's always been, I was there when that was relevant. And I did Vault of Glass at the start of Destiny 1. Um, And that is the most important thing to me, was the experience of doing that. And looking back on it, and emblems have always been relevant. You can put your Destiny you know, vault of glass emblem on and go, I have done that. That is a thing that you can't take away from me. Uh, And although that's still going to be true going forward, not being able to have that emblem and say, this is what my character is. That is what your character is. is those experiences. And it's the easiest thing for them to carry over. And I understand if they don't want to have emblems, but surely they could have something else. Like maybe an emblem book. Like you could have those emblems in the game, but they don't necessarily need to be on your name tag. You can have a profile and people could look at your profile and go, oh, he's got all these emblems like a medal on a book um maybe that's going to happen i can't say for sure but the press release states that that's all that's been carried over you it's a strange choice yeah i it, think
0: if if they know that it's not going to carry over why make that why would there be any incentive yeah why to take part the, in this big challenge yeah
1: apart from the t-shirt which i'm going to do i'm going to get that t-shirt quite mark right. my words i'll be back in i don't know when it's going to end it's really early cuz the, as, like I said, the end of the Destiny year is September. Destiny 2 hasn't even been formally announced. It's probably going to be a while off, so I'm assuming Age of Triumph... Moments of Triumph usually lasts about a month and a half or something. Six weeks, eight weeks. This is probably going to be longer because it's a huge record book. It's the biggest record book Destiny's ever had, and it's free. Oh, more news. They're bringing back all of the Destiny raids as well. Every single raid in Destiny is going to be bumped up to the highest light level for free. So you can go back to Vault of Glass and you can play that with new, loot, new challenges, new content.
0: So these were time-sensitive originally?
1: Um, yeah. So the way it works is um Destiny, each expansion, they don't really do expansions now. They do uh, content updates. But in the first year, it was big release, expansion, expansion, big release. And in each... Big release they brought out a new raid and then one in like the 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 latter half of the destiny calendar year. Um, but the thing is when the next raid comes out, or the next expansion, they raise the light level, the raids would stay at the same light level and have the same loot. So they were no longer viable if you wanted to play endgame content. So this is a big thing. This is the first time that they've gone back and brought those endgame raids up to the current level and you can play all four With new content and new challenges. And it's really exciting. So it's a great time to be a Destiny player. Starting on March 28th is when the first raid is coming back. Crota's End I think it is. Which is actually the second raid that they did. The first raid is after that. They're doing one each week. It's going to be released um, each week with the new challenges. Giving you a chance to go and do them. Before the next raid comes out. And then after that you can go back and play them at any time. And they also said that you can go back to Destiny 1. Once Destiny 2 has been released. Hmm. So I don't know how that will work. Because they're saying your character's appearance will carry over. Does your character carry over? Or is it just the appearance? If I go to Destiny 2 and play and then go back to Destiny 1, am I going back with that character? Or will there be two characters? They haven't said. It's all a bit weird, isn't it? It is a bit weird. Um, but it's exciting.
0: It's I suppose there's little precedent for, for a game like Destiny yeah, um, having a sequel.
1: Because yeah. usually
0: it would just be perpetual updates and expansions.
1: Yeah, this is a full-on like World of Warcraft as You can follow the progression. There's been no break in the World of Warcraft yeah. release. Other games... Destiny kind of has always been a game of firsts. You know, in that sort of... It's it's a weird middle ground between different genres. Yeah. And then you've got The Division, which very much followed in Destiny's footsteps. Even had all of the same problems at launch. So really, there's no one to look to to give us an indication as to how they're going to handle it. Um, can't even look at Bungie, Bungie's old... Games to see how they do these things because it's so different from how they handled Halo. Sure. That's just a game. You release it, you're done. Yeah. But it is exciting. And I'm going to be playing Destiny 2. I was a bit on the fence. Yeah. I was like, well, I've not been playing Destiny 1 and I, you know, feel a bit out of it. Uh, but it's pulled me right back in. Went and did the last raid that we never played um, with Chris and had a, an amazing time. So we'll see. I guess um, we'll come back to this one. Eventually, when we know more, maybe. Yeah. But there's there's some concerns, not big ones, just sort of like what's going to happen with this, what's going to happen with that. Big picture, Destiny's moving on to like exciting things. So if emblems don't carry over, it's going to be like that's a disappointment. But I'm going to be having so much fun. I probably won't care. Yeah. That's that's the bottom line. Fun is going to be had. Cool. Um,
0: yeah. So Destiny 2 is expected in autumn. Yeah, I think
1: September's the, the release window f- so far for right. each big Taken King. That was September. The original Destiny was released in September. I think Rise of Iron was in September. So that makes sense if they're going to follow the same format yeah. as before. Um, and like you're saying, that's the beginning of their
0: year. Yeah. So it would it would kind of loan itself to, to a release.
1: Yeah. Uh, you, you would hope at least anyway, because it's, if it's not then, it's certainly not before. Cool. Are you um, going to continue
0: playing on console or are you tempted to switch to PC? Or?
1: Um, No, because, well... I'm assuming you won't be able to transfer your character to PC, but then I just remembered Destiny 2 won't be carrying anything over anyway. So maybe I could see myself. If if emblems... Oh, well, actually, it depends how they handle the year one rewards. Right. I want those rewards. If I can transfer to PC and have them, I'll do it, maybe. Mm-hmm. If I can't, I will stick to PlayStation. And there is motivation for them to not let you do it, because there are exclusives on PlayStation. mm mm-hmm. But they don't want to piss off like Microsoft by saying like having everyone jump ship to PlayStation just to get those exclusives halfway through the the game mm. they want to punish players for moving over you know well you can go and buy a playstation and start playing on that, but you'll lose your investment your time spent on this game so uh, that again is up in the air that's kind of life as a destiny player is you don't know what they're thinking they don't communicate it well they they tell you things are happening, and then you're there like what about this and they're like we're not going to tell you. Why would we tell you what's going to happen? You're like, well, you told us something's happening. It's like, yeah, be excited. It's like, yeah, I will be, but what about this? And they're like, nah.
0: <laughs>
1: but, uh. Just a, a
0: number of guinea pigs.
1: Yeah. Um, whatever works.
0: It's cool. it, it looks like a great game. Yeah. I mean, I might try it out on PC. I just, I, I'm not really attracted to most FPS games on console. Yeah. I'm not that good at them. Yeah. So I, I kind um, of need the mouse thing, and Keyboard.
1: Yeah. The thing I would say about Destiny is, um, Bungie being well, they made their name on, on console, on Xbox. Mm. Um, they, they are the most console-friendly FPS games. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I've, I yeah. have played them. Yeah.
0: I've, I've tried it out. It's it's more just personal preference. Yeah.
1: I mean, I can definitely, like, Overwatch and stuff, there's a, a massive, like, like, it's just, like, it's a different game on PC. Yeah. It's made for PC. And I can see, like, there's only so far you can take it on console. Like, it's made for console, but it's still an FPS game. It's like saying, this RTS game was made for console. And mm-hmm. you're like... Is it, fuck? <laughs> but yeah, whatever the future brings. I
0: yeah, guess. well, I guess we'll find out. Been a lot of trailers in the news this week. There have. Specifically, and the ones that I've seen, uh, there's a new trailer for Sonic Mania.
1: Right. Is that the one where they play through the level? It's through Green Hill Zone. Yeah, I, I uh, saw
0: that. I think it's the first two. They kind of get to the point where, it's really funny, actually, um, towards the end of the trailer, they kind of stop before there's the, the boss area. Right, And they just, they're, they're kind of like standing there for maybe... 20 seconds before they turn the video off right before the video ends but it's quite clear that they don't want to show that no. that off right now but from what i've seen yeah it looks cool it's like a rehash of the original green hill zone it's kind of a mix-up of the, the 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 one on sonic 1 and the one on sonic 2 so i think it's green hill and emerald hill right um but there's a few cool new additions the first one of note was so it also brings in the the bubble shields from Sonic Three. Right. So you've got the fire shield, which he's running around in most of the time, and that has interaction with some of the elements in the game. Right. So, so you can set the wooden bridge on fire. Okay. Um, by walking across it with a fire shield.
1: And then will you if you stood on the bridge will you fall? Is yeah, that- yeah. It just oh, if,
0: it, as soon as you touch it it, sort it, it,
1: it was falling beneath the the player that was that was playing through. That's quite fun. So there's maybe different ways to play the levels depending on. I think so. Which abilities you have or which things you've got. Yeah. So maybe that's quite interesting,
0: and it looks really cool. I mean, it, it looks like when I was watching the trailer, it looks like somebody playing it through on like the Mega Drive, yeah, right? or the Genesis, if you're listening mm-hmm. in the states. So I wasn't, I don't know, I wasn't too fussed about that before, but I think nostalgia's maybe going to win me over.
1: There, um, I had a major nostalgic moment because as much as I've known about Sonic Mania and been excited for, it, mostly just based on who's working on it. Um, but uh, I think Dave posted it on Facebook this video or a video. Uh, and the thing that really caught me was the, uh, the title screen. Yeah. It's incredible where the, it's, it's like, if you've played Sonic 1 or 2 or whatever, it's gonna be very iconic, you know, with the, the sort of ring with the banner underneath that says Sonic and then Sonic's in there like pointing his finger. But the animation is beautiful. Yeah. It's like, cause it's frame by frame
0: animation yeah. rather than, well, I, mean, I say rather than, like the original title screen is used frame by frame as well. Yeah. But they've got a lot more memory to play with. They've yeah, got more so storage. Fluid. Yeah. So they've got more frames in there. It's nice it's really nice animation. Yeah.
1: But it's also it, it it does also have like a, a very I'm not gonna say retro quality because it's not retro-esque. Mm. It doesn't look retro. It kinda does, but it it doesn't
0: the, the screen or the gameplay in general?
1: Uh just this title thing. Mm. Like it um it's not like blocky eight bit y no. type. It's like art. It's like you yeah, no, it's like um they haven't purposefully made it look old. But it just has this aesthetic to it that feels very nostalgic. And then the music comes in and you're really, um, if you ever had any love for those old Sonic games, you're immediately in familiar territory Mm. where you're like, oh, oh, I'm going to play this.
0: And is it uh, it June that's coming
1: out? No idea. But yeah, Christian Whitehead is working on them. I think we've mentioned him already on the podcast, who made the iOS and Android ports of the original games. So it's in very good hands. Cool.
0: Yeah, uh, it's due out in quarter two. This year,
1: okay. So no solid date. Uh, yeah, as far as we know.
0: Not, not as far as I'm aware. Okay. But I think it's June 21st. is yeah. Sonic's birthday, or like it was, it was the anniversary of the release of Sonic One yeah. on the Mega Drive. So, so
1: we'd we'll be assuming around then, hopefully. Yeah,
0: potentially. Kind of, kind of similar to Destiny. There's a window where you can pin it to, yeah. where it's quite likely that something will come out. And also, we've had the the kind of TV trailer for Andromeda now. Okay. Uh, for Mass Effect Andromeda. Right. I say TV trailer. It's a, like a, what would you call it?
1: It's the one that they're going to use to actually start marketing it.
0: Yeah. On a wider scale. In, instead of just promoting certain elements of the game, this is yeah. a, a good cut of um, different parts of the game. Yeah,
1: It's the kind of thing that maybe you'd see in the cinema before. You yeah. Because there is, it's a weird sort of like, there's trailers that they release at E3 where you know that's an E3 trailer. Yeah. And only certain people are going to see it. But then when it gets closer to the time, they'll they'll start the marketing push and that's when they're trying to sell it to people.
0: Yeah, so it's it's a much wider audience rather than, like, targeted at gamers.
1: Um, It looks good. Yeah.
0: I'm so excited for it. I'm really, really psyched.
1: I am I think I've already said before, I'm so out of touch with Mass Effect. It's not a game that I dislike. I played the first one, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Based on what you know about Mass Effect Andromeda, I can't remember if I've asked this, do I have to have played the first three? I don't think so. No, because it's a a time skip, isn't it?
0: Well, it's a new new bad guy. So I think the, the... Basic premise is It's six hundred years Since the, ahead of the the original trilogy. Right. Um, it's something like uh, there's an ark ship, okay. which takes a bunch of people from Earth and uh, oh, they're colonists. Yes. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Yeah, they're off to colonize planets in the Andromeda galaxy. Right. So this this journey takes them six
1: hundred years. So as far as they know, they came from the same time frame, the, the same time yeah. of it. But it's, yes, it, they've it's now ahead. Um, it, yes. Yeah.
0: They're, okay. they're from the. God, they're they're from the same time frame as the original game is set. Yeah. So their knowledge and their, I guess, their history of current events yeah. is related to the original games. So there might be references, and it would surprise me if there weren't, because yeah. there'll be throwbacks for, for fans of the original series. Yeah. But I think in terms of the story, they're making a clean break.
1: Yeah. Now, doesn't that raise weird philosophical things or sociological or whatever? implications of space travel in the future. So say if we were doing space travel at the end of World War Two, mm. and we sent colonists so far off that they were then 600 years in the future. Sure. And as far as they know, they'd just come from that period of time. Mm-hmm. They would be, a, that's a completely different sociological. If we sent people from
0: the World War II year. Or...
1: Yeah. Or, <laughs> or just like some, somewhere like that's a really big time where things were developing. So, um, the world was changing really rapidly yeah. after World War Two. Well, I mean that's and, it, because, but then because, like, they've,
0: six, they've been sent off during yeah. a time of
1: war yeah. against
0: the Reapers from yeah. the, the original series. Um,
1: so. But then you could think like in the six hundred years since then, if you think about how we've changed in mm-hmm. like the when we, like nineteen thirty nineteen thirties to nineteen fifty. Yeah, that twenty years that's you know not that long ago, and how long we've how much we've changed. Yeah hopefully yeah changed <laughs> it does it raises About, a lot of ethical yeah. questions it's like i mean
0: it's it's like we we could um uh, maybe 50 years in our future yeah like eating uh eating meat might be taboo we yeah. might not farm uh, animals for meat anymore yeah so it, yeah there's a whole bunch of things yeah. that could change and it's like you meet people in the future and it's it's like well these these people don't understand us they're yeah. savages or whatever you,
1: so let's say we sent these colonists off they, as far as they know, that ship that they've gone, it, its only job is to carry them to where they're going. Mm-hmm. So we're assuming that that ship is not being developed technologically. So their technology is frozen in the time that they were sent off. I believe so, yeah. Uh, say they were in cryostasis, which I'm assuming they are. Yeah. Um, they are sociologically, um, psychologically frozen in time. Mm-hmm. They're not developing as a society mm-hmm. in that time. Yeah. So they are now a snapshot of the time they were sent off. Yep. 600 years into the future. Let's assume that the place they left has now had 600 years of development. Uh, society has changed. The place they've left is a completely different society than it they, is when they've just. So then let's say that that society obviously knows that they're going there. Mm-hmm. Then tries to establish, they would probably try to establish contact. Contact people. and
0: some kind of um, travel yeah. uh,
1: link. So now we've got them. Is this what Andromeda is about? I don't know anything about this game. But...
0: I mean, I, th- I think we're we're reaching a little, right? And I I don't know too much about it, okay. and they're pro- they're probably like these are questions that might be answered fairly quickly going into it. These yeah. are these are, I guess, like you say, philosophical. They're they're kind of almost uh, hypothetical questions. Yeah, but they're they're good questions, and yeah. the, in terms of like space travel in general, it's quite interesting. It's, yeah. a, it's a it's a good point. So I
1: think this is the. I mean, I don't know anything about Andromeda. Mm. I, I know it's a Mass Effect game. that's yeah. the limit of what it is. But even just that, like the, the idea of what you can get out of that premise of a colony ship going 600 years into yeah. the future. That's so, so interesting. It's it exciting. Is, yeah. I would like, I'm quite, you know, it's the first time I've really thought about the game. Mm. Might have to go and check it out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll
0: definitely be playing it. Yeah. I've, I've pre-ordered it. Um, I think I mentioned before I pre-ordered it on console. Right. I've switched that to PC. As much as I hate Origin as a platform for PC gaming. Yeah. I'm going to just suck it up because I think ultimately I'll be able to do more on the PC version. Right. And I can probably like I don't have a PS4 pr- Pro yet, no. so I can probably expect a higher frame rate and better resolution and stuff. I can I can probably mod it as well. Yeah. Um to an extent later on if if they release high texture packs or whatever. Yeah. But that's that's I mean that's all just like kind of technical nonsense. I mean, aside from that, I am really looking forward to it in terms of storyline. It's it's got some yeah. like a uh, great uh, voice cast. Uh, I think mentioned a few weeks ago, Natalie Dormer. Yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, Camille Yeah. I don't know who that is. He's in Silicon Valley.
1: Oh, right. Okay. Um, I know of the show. I haven't watched it.
0: A really funny guy. Yeah. And a total nerd if you follow him on Twitter. And yeah, it just, it just the game looks great. It looks like yeah. a, a really nice game. So
1: I'm big on sci-fi. I don't know if you can tell. I like the scope that sci-fi affords you in terms of... Well, this is it. Yeah. I mean, you, there's, there's no rule limitations. No,
0: Fa- I mean, fantasy uh, and high fantasy, there are certain rules. Yeah. And even with uh, magic. Yeah. And with f- fantastic creatures dragons etc yeah you there's simple there's certain archetypes that you're expected to follow yeah science fiction kind of like frees you to do whatever you want
1: and it's also the thing i think a lot of people think of when they think of sci-fi they think of star wars Mm. this is not a criticism of star wars star wars is a fantasy film Mm. and it's limited by that things i like about sci-fi um are you can use sci-fi to present sociological hypothetical situations. Yeah. So, uh, like, uh, The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula Le Guin. That's a, a series of novels. Oh, it's, it's part of a series of novels called The Dispossessed, mm. uh, I think. But anyway, basically this one is about a society of people who are androgynous. There's no okay. gender, biological or otherwise, on this planet. And it's really interesting the way it explores that, but you could only do that in sci-fi. like Or um, Philip K. Dick does it a lot. With A Scanner Darkly. That's mm. a sci fi film, uh, book, um, but it explores sociological things. Yeah. Uh, using a sci fi framework to justify having that, you know, the reason for things happening. Mm. Kurt Vonnegut does it as well.
0: Ian M. Banks is famous for, yeah. um, exploring that kind of stuff with his culture novels. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's a fantastic, sci-fi And actually,
1: um, Mass Effect is, it feels very similar to the culture novels aesthetically, kind of, or even just like the sins, um, it's, it's very they,
0: kind of early, um, spacefaring. Conglomerate. I mean, it, yeah. you've got a mixture of species because the cu- the that culture are, are, are forming a society, yeah. a spacefaring society. Yeah, I mean, be- between like the Asari, uh, the humans, the Krogan.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh God, what are the
1: what what, what is uh the Catman?
0: Catman. Gar Garth. No. Oh, G- the- Garis who's Garrus. a Turian. Okay, you right. got Turians. Um, yeah. and I was thinking of morden as well, but I can't remember. I his. don't know. Um, but anyway, yeah, there's there's so many um. It's like a a United Space Federation kind
1: yeah. of thing, and I mean, you get the same thing in Star Trek. Yeah, it's, Star Trek is the epitome of like people think of Star Trek as being this trashy sci-fi thing, and it is. When they do the sci-fi, the sci-fi is trashy. Yeah, it's like oh, we have to set up the the phase flux. Machine hmm. to depolarize and send off a photon that will rip open the space-time continuum, so that we can suck out the the crystals that will power our ship back to the yeah. nebula. And you're like, but that's that's usually just like guff. Yeah, it's it, to it, further uh, develop a social problem exactly. within an episode. It provides a framework to justify having that scenario, where that scenario might not actually ever occur on Earth, but the sociological stuff that you explore by doing that can be applied to things on earth and in real life. Yeah. And that's really interesting is exploring human society or psychology or emotion or whatever in that way. Yeah. And And it's, it's done a lot
0: as well. Like, I mean, if you look at, um, Gene Roddenberry's science fiction shows, yeah, like
1: one of which I think was called Andromeda, wasn't it? Really? Oh yeah. 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 Was that the one starring Hercules guy? Uh, Maybe. I'm not sure. I don't, I didn't, I didn't know that was,
0: that was one of Gene Roddenberry. I
1: think it was, I might be putting my foot in it now, but, um, um,
0: but yeah, I mean, if if you look at Star Trek, yeah, um, that that often presents problems. And if you uh, specifically, if you go back to uh, the original series and Next Gen, you got things like um, interracial relationships mm-hmm. when those were still. I mean, nowadays like that that's normal and it should yeah. be. And they recognise that long before it was accepted in society. Yeah, they take a look at a lot of societal taboos. Yeah, and they try and show those from different points of view yeah, so that people can understand why they're not necessarily bad yeah, or why, why they're seen as um, being something that's worse than it actually is.
1: Yeah, and I think also like with Star Trek, that's an interesting thing is like in terms of race, when you're presented with an alien, mm. you know, something that was on the other side of the galaxy that didn't even start from the same even evolutionary path as us, how would that throw people's perspective on race and stuff? So that's why in with Andromeda, Mass Effect Andromeda, Yeah. the thing that interests me is what are the implications of this colony ship on a societal level? Mm. Um, and I think, I, what I know of Mass Effect is they like to explore that kind of thing. Yes. Because there's a lot of romance. There's a lot of... Relationship building. Yeah. Um, but I'm just not familiar enough with it. And it does, it draws from Star Trek a lot and that sort of that pedigree of even aesthetically
0: yeah i mean if if you look at science fiction in the past like 10 years or so there's maybe not been anything that's been as good as the classic star trek series yeah that that we grew up with like watching television no and watching reruns probably given our age but mass effect is really accessible and Mm. it's it's kind of i suppose it's it's taking the the genre on a new medium but it does present similar situations um, yeah so it's it's cool it's really really nice to see yeah. so that's out on the 21st of march
1: oh this month this month yeah that is much closer than i thought it would be yeah it's 10 days or nine
0: days screaming internally i need to complete near automata before then <laughs> <laughs> um
1: it seems like it might be a, a bigger undertaking than i had previously uh thought near but i think we'll come to that
0: yeah so, I think we'll take a short break. Yeah, that sounds good. And then we'll come back to tell you what we've been playing.
1: Cool. Hello and welcome back to the Azaran podcast. Hey. What have you been playing this week, Brian?
0: Not near Automata.
1: Oh, that's <laughs> a shame. It's a sore point. Yeah. Do but, you want uh, to explain why? Uh
0: or Royal Mailer assholes. Cool. They, they marked my package as delivered, but it's actually delivered to a depot, not to the address specified. Ah, there so you. thanks Royal Mail, you fucking dicks.
1: Ruining video games since nineteen oh eight. I don't know when the Royal Mail was founded, I'll be honest.
0: Um Probably what? not before video games.
1: No. So in the absence of to matter, what have you been
0: playing? I have been playing Zelda Breath of the Wild on the Wii U right, specifically. Okay. Because I don't have a switch. No. But, um, yeah, I complain about not having it. There's, there's so much to fall back on right now. So many good games. I've still yeah. not, I barely scratched the surface of Horizon Zero Dawn as well. But Ashley's kind of picked up that from me and she's gotten much further. She's really enjoying it. Yeah. And I'm quite happy just to watch. It's, it's a really good game. Um, but it's, it's one of these things because it's so cinematic, because it's yeah. so story driven. Um, it, you can kind of watch someone else play it and enjoy it. Yeah. Zelda Breath of the Wild. I started playing this
1: morning. Right, and I, I, you were playing it as I came in. Yeah, to record just. Earlier. I've maybe
0: done like two or three hours total. Yeah, I'm still in the starting area, which is called the plateau, and I'm really enjoying it. I don't tend to follow or praise highly the Zelda games. I think right. it's it's a cool franchise, but if if a game is shit, I'll. Call it
1: out on it. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to give it a pass just because it's a certain pedigree of game.
0: Sure. And I mean, the last Zelda game I actually really had fun playing was Wind Waker. Yeah. And even then, that's got like some really drawn out areas, like when you're in the boat and, you know, between areas. Coming back to the Breath of the Wild. Wild, uh, It's had consistently perfect scores, you were saying on Metacritic. Yeah,
1: 43 score, like 43 reviews scored at 100 out of 100. Breaking Metacritic's own records for review scores. It's
0: completely unprecedented. Yeah. And before, uh, when I was reading the reviews, I would have been slightly pessimistic as to to how um, highly they were rating it and how how little they were critiquing it. Yeah, sort of like sceptical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to play it for myself, but I don't have any complaints so far.
1: No. I mean, I must say, I was not following like i don't know i didn't know a lot about the game mm. i knew it was zelda and i knew it was doing certain things uh their sort of design ethos for the game was uh of a certain way that kind of interested me in it but coming in and watching you play it there that is what sold me the game finally like where i'm like i i'm going to really enjoy playing this yeah it just looked like so, so much fun
0: so i mean like uh from watching i mean the visuals the yeah. the design on it and the artistic direction that's really tight yeah like the the shrine that I was in when you yeah. came in it's one of the early ones so like don't worry about too much of the story being given away here i I, I don't even know the the setup yeah I've not had it explained mm-hmm. to me by any of the in-game characters but it's it's almost like uh it's out of it's, it's a place out of time yeah the shrine that I was in was it featured technology that was completely out of place in the wider environment which seems to be divided into clans and um outposts it's, it's almost like a post-civilization game yeah you're you're walking through the ruins of what is presumably hyrule and this the shrine that i was in uh extracting this new ability the design of it looked like it was from something in the future yeah it was it was highly advanced
1: i mean like well, you you pulled out something when i, I was watching you play it and like zelda pulls out this thing and i was like oh it's a smartphone yeah yeah like it, it isn't really but it it looks like Annie was treating it like. So it's
0: it's like a fuck. I don't even know the name of it. It's like a tablet device. I think they called it a slate. Yeah. in the game, it was it was a something slate. The Sheikah slate. Yeah, and and um, so this this first and foremost is a map. It is a way that you interact with objects. Yeah, it is a set of binoculars. Right, you you can use it to to zoom in on things, and it gives you this little heads up display. It is essentially your, your key to interacting with this, this world. Yeah. And in a sense, it is your Nintendo Switch controller. Right. It, it's like, it's got that kind of, uh, skeuomorphic design going on where he holds it the same way, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a tablet device. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's advanced technologically. So take that as you will, but it's kind of like an advertisement for the, either the, the Wiimote or your Nintendo Switch. Yeah. And. It's, it's just a really cool game. Like, if you take Link out of it, if you take Zelda out of the equation. Yeah. I would love playing this game. The, um. I know you, you made a comparison to the original Zelda title. Yeah. Which which was was completely open world. Yeah. And this was a tile based, top down perspective. Yeah. Uh. 2D. Yeah. And you're expected to explore this map and discover
1: things for yourself. Nobody tells you where to go. Mm. You just feel it out and you start to build a picture of the world that you're in. Yeah. And then you start to know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So besides some really
0: limited interactions with yeah. with an old man. It felt <laughs> um it felt fairly natural to talk yeah. to this hermit who's who's uh, wandering around the map. Which actually
1: going back to the first Zelda, the yeah. first person you speak to is an old man who gives you a sword and says it's dangerous to go alone.
0: Yeah. Take this. Well, this guy's similar except I stole his apples instead yeah. of still getting a sword from him. And yeah, it's 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 just really nice. It instills From, from the very title screen, when you first walk out onto that plateau. Yeah. It instills a sense of exploration and wonder. Yeah. You, you step out onto like a cliff face overlooking the high row field and it's beautiful and it gives you a second just to like take it all in.
1: Yeah.
0: And just to be, just to have your, your breath kind of taken away and just be like, right, I want to get out there and see this stuff. It's been pretty cool so far. And I'm, I've, like I say, I'm only a few hours in. So I've done a few of the shrines to get,
1: my uh, basic abilities. Still haven't yet managed to catapult yourself off a rock. Oh (laughs) God. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a gift
0: doing the rounds. One of your abilities allows you to freeze an object in time in order to, whether it's to progress in a puzzle or whether it's to, to um accumulate damage on this through repetitive strikes sort of like build up kinetic energy or something yeah (laughs) so i keep like freezing rocks and trying to attack them so that i can jump onto it and be catapulted when it gets like blasted into the distance yeah uh so i'm going to make that my my goal this evening i think
1: i think you need to find somewhere where you can jump down onto it yeah and up onto it yeah yeah. Um, it's, it's also
0: having it facing the right direction because there are certain p- parts of the rocks based on the geometry yeah. with, that are flat faced. So you can actually, like the climbing mechanic in it yeah. is, it's automatic. So you jump on an object and if it's climbable, you're gripped to it. Yeah. And, um, Shigeru Miyamoto, when he was, oh, he wouldn't stop climbing trees. He wouldn't stop climbing trees for hours. Like he started playing this game and he just, he was, he was, uh, reported as, climbing trees for a very long time.
1: <laughs> Mr. Miyamoto, please, can you just play
0: the rest of the game? This game has so much in it, though. I mean, it's, you can approach it from so many different angles. Yeah. Uh, in the same way that you could with the original Zelda. Yeah. You know, if you, you went in a direction and you kept getting killed or you found difficulty progressing, and whenever you went back to your starting point, you could just go in a different direction. Yeah. You could do something completely different. You can explore another area. And that's... That's what this game kind of is. Like yeah. you, you'll die. You'll no doubt be killed by a bokoblin or Bocoblin or a Guardian or, or a Skell. Yeah, really easily. You, you're the weakest thing on this map. Yeah. But you'll die, and then you're just like, right, okay, what's next? Yeah. It's it's not a case of right. Well, fuck this.
1: It's too difficult. Yeah. One thing that struck me watching you play because I came in and you were already playing. Uh, I don't know how f- far you're in, mm. but um, there was something I was reading about. And I don't know the term for it, but it's the way the design of an object that is meant to be used by a person communicates the way that you're supposed to use the object. Mm. Uh, So the example would be doors that don't communicate which way they open properly. Okay. So everyone's done this before. You go up to a door and you pull on it. It's a push door. Mm. Um, And I can't remember the guy that studied this, but these are... Bad doors. It's not your fault that you keep doing this. The door does not de- communicate through its design. I
0: know exactly what which way about. it opens.
1: Yeah, so it's as simple as putting a plate instead of a handle on one side of the door. If there's a plate, you know that there's no handle.
0: You push. You expect to push it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: One thing was, I was watching you play, and I knew instinctively what things were doing because the design—I mm. don't know what to call it—but the, the the visual communication of the game as to how you interact with that world seemed very strong. Mm. It's not a complex game so far from what I can see. There seems to be a lot that you can do, but it's like, cut down this tree, you can climb over the gorge. But like you instinctively know, cut down the tree, climb over the gorge, or this thing here interacts with this object like this. And that is something that I think a lot of games historically haven't done very well. Yeah. So we're all used to going into a game and having to read Or follow tutorials. Uh, I think if you've ever watched, like, is it uh, Sequelitis? I think Aaron Hansen, Egoraptor, he talks a lot about this kind of in his Mega Man review. So if you were to watch that, if you're interested in that kind of game design stuff.
0: We'll link that in the blog.
1: Yeah. Um, And that's something that I think the original Zelda did really well. But then going from the Legend of Zelda, it's really hard to specify That one game, you always have to say the first Zelda because they're all the Legend of Zelda. Yeah, But the Legend of Zelda did that really well where things work the way you expect them to work and you don't need to be told this is how this happens because you just look at it, you go, oh, well, it looks like I should do this. You do it and it works. Or you get feedback telling you why that's not working. Mm -hmm. The Legend of Zelda 2 doesn't do that at all well. It's an esoteric design. It's weird, it's confusing. And then further on other Zeldas, they keep introducing things. They keep introducing features. They have to explain why this new feature works a certain way and how you have to do it.
0: Yeah, it's the accumulation of detritus over a period of time. Yeah. And it's just, it gets it accumulates more crap in every game that is yeah. carried over. I mean, like, nothing against Navi to an extent. No. But when you include a character who is there because of the requirement to explain things yeah. to the player.
1: She is the developer looking over your shoulder going, you have to do this this way. Yeah, and it's backseat
0: yeah. it's gaming yeah like it, it takes you out of the experience exactly yeah. so this I, I guess like so what this boils down to it, so far the game has been incredibly immersive yeah and there's, there's nothing yeah there's nothing in the game that's like making me say oh shit think about this i need to think about this in the real world how do i do this yeah like what th- this is a game what is the rule that requires me to do this it's like no i'm i'm in this game i've got an axe or i've got this thing to interact with i've got a pot yeah. i've got a a shield I've got some apples how do I cook the apples throw the apples in the fire Obviously. like it's, it's exactly I mean yeah. it's just it's that kind of stupid stuff you know yeah. It's it's been really cool so far so I'm going to be playing a lot more tonight and I'll maybe have more to talk about next week
1: yeah I mean, it would definitely be cool to hear more once you've finished it as well just yeah. sort of like because um, you were saying like I remember watching you and you were like well I think this is what's going to be happening after this you know because you're you're trying to get down off of the plateau <laughs> yeah. um, and, some and I couldn't use matters. my rock yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, So it really feels like a game as well where you're sort of learning about the game world as you're playing. It. Yeah. Um. Uh, if I could touch on another thing that somebody said. Uh, I don't know if anyone saw, Um. somebody tweeted a, an image of him fighting, I don't know what they're called, the skeletons? Mm. And the tweet said, he tweeted it at Nintendo, I think. Mm. And it was like, looks like at Nintendo have been taking a few lessons from Dark Souls. Mm. And then the Dark Souls official Twitter said... Um, tweeted him and said, we've all been taking lessons from Nintendo Sensei for a very long time. Um, Which is
0: totally fair. I mean, I get where people are coming from when they say, oh, it's Dark Souls-esque. Yeah. Because it's unforgiving. Yeah. But I think just to compare it to Dark Souls in itself is a bit lazy because really, like you were saying, it comes back to the original Legend of Zelda game. Yeah. That's um, that's what it is. It's just developed from there.
1: Uh, And Dark Souls, I mean, it, it is very similar to Dark Souls as well, but only in as much as Dark Souls also... Takes those cues from the original Legend of or Zelda. Yeah, yeah. So they they come from the same point, and this is the series that did that in the first place. It's mm. not it's it's not fair to say, you know.
0: Yeah, and uh, too too many people recently, especially, make direct comparisons. Oh, if it's difficult, it's Dark Souls. Yeah. So I'm, yeah,
1: like it's just it's lazy. Yeah, I think definitely. Uh, but no, I'm I'm now 100 percent sold on wanting to play that game. Cool.
0: Well, um, if you you play it over the week, let me know how you get on, yeah. and we can we can talk about it next time. Cool. So what have you been playing?
1: Um, cause well, I'm so <laughs> angry. Well, <laughs> um, I have been playing near automata. Um, I don't know why Bry hasn't been playing it. Get <laughs> out of my house. <laughs> um, but uh, the, uh, so I, I got this game. I went, um, I went and picked it up from a brick and mortar store that don't, um, leave notes and run away. Uh, it is a lot of fun. Um, if you haven't heard of Near Automata, which I don't know how you can't have, because it's been hyped up quite a lot. It's surprising how many people are excited for this game.
0: It's been really well marketed. Yeah. Um, and the the demo's been on PSN. We've mentioned it a lot of times yeah. as well.
1: So it's a sequel to the, I don't know when it came out, Xbox uh, 360 and PlayStation 3 game Near, which is a an RPG. I'm not going to talk too much about Near because mm. that's a whole nother bundle. This is not a direct sequel to it. Yeah. It's, a, it's I mean it even near is yeah. I think it's, it's a, a spin-off of Drakengard. Yeah. Uh which is a an even older series that goes back to the PlayStation 2. And
0: it's there there we can maybe link to some of the story stuff if you're yeah. you're picking up near for the first time because it is a very convoluted. Yeah. I mean I've never backstory. played Dragon
1: mm. I've played Near. Mm. Um Nier is set, I think a 1000 years after the last chronological Dragon Guard thing. Yeah. So, it's a spin-off of Drakengard. It's not a direct sequel either to that. And I don't know anything about Drakengard. So, right. I don't know how Nier fits in with Guard. Um And again, Nier Automata, you don't need to have played Nier. It's a different story. It's the same world, same sort of things are going on. Mm. I believe, I don't know uh, in what capacity, because I haven't finished Near Automata, a certain characters from Nier show up. Uh, but... Let's just assume nobody cares or knows about Nier or Drakengard. Yeah. And we'll just talk about Nier. Uh, the story of Nier is there. Uh, Earth has been invaded by aliens. Or rather, Earth has been invaded by mechanical beings mm-hmm. who were sent by aliens. Okay. Um, and this was millennia ago. So I think it's 7,000 years ago before the start of Nier Automata. And humanity had to escape and go to the moon. As you did. Obviously. Um, it's, it's there. Yeah, so they many unsuccessful uh, forays into trying to recapture Earth. Um, at the moment, humanity don't do any fighting themselves. They just live on the moon doing human things. I don't know what humans do. Um, you'll have to ask David Byrne. Um, which <laughs> that, is that was a really tenuous link. Just <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so they've now got an android army fighting for them and this is where 2B comes in because all the androids are named after pencils. Mm. You've got 2B, um you've got HB <laughs> and uh some weird graphite mechanical pencil. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, 2 they, they all it's like a number and a letter. So there's 2B, um 9S is your companion. He is like a a service robot. He like services you mm-hmm. somehow. Is that the
0: little floaty thing?
1: No, that is Pod. He oh, okay. is your sidekick as well. He's like a, a hovering machine gun who also carries your things and you can program him. Sweet. So A really cool mechanic where you can get chips mm. that will augment how your HUD works and your abilities and his abilities. Mm. Um, So you can actually, so say you've got your health bar. Mm. That takes up space in your operating system. You have a limited amount of stuff that you can run, processes. Oh wow. Because you're a robot, an android. So if you want to then go, well I want this ability but my OS is bogged down. Let's take out the health bar because i don't ever die i'm that good i just don't need it yeah let's take out the mini map because i know where i am i don't need it you know and then you can fit in uh, a special move or more health because apparently that's a program
0: that's really interesting it
1: is and so you can sacrifice like um information that you're getting from the outside world to allow you to you can expand your your ram let's say or your processors space like uh your the amount of processes you can run uh uh-huh. Uh, later on, but at the moment I've got a very limited resource. Yeah. Uh, and I have to really think about what I want. I haven't taken anything core out yet, because I'm a bit worried that I'll die. Mm-hmm. But, um. That's a lot of trust being placed on the, on the player. The player, yeah. Um, actually, also, there's another thing no autosave. <gasps> so you have to save, and this is really cool. So you're an android. Mm-hmm. You can blow yourself up if things get too dire. Um, I believe that ends the game. I don't know. I think you just die. Um, <laughs> Also, the the whole premise of the save point, the flavor, if we say, it's not the mechanic, but um, you need to save to upload your consciousness to the bunker, which is the base where the androids come from. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you've done that, they can redeploy you. Um, It's just saving, really. But uh, so you have no auto save because you need to be in range and have enough bandwidth or Wi-Fi or signal to save. So... You need to get to a transmission point, which is a save point. Mm-hmm. But you don't need to go to the save point. You just need to be in range of the save point, which is cool in itself. So you can save sometimes, but not others. Yeah. And you need to be careful what you're doing because you can't just assume that you're going to be able to save. You might not be able to, and then you'll die and lose your progress. Um, so it's cool mechanical stuff that has really nice flavor to it, like uh, OS stuff and all that. Um, and so far, the game is a weird mishmash of bullet hell, hack and slash... And RPG. So mm-hmm. it surprisingly I did not know it was an RPG showing sure. into it. I thought it was uh your standard platinum hack and slash affair. Really linear. Yeah. yeah. And it starts off the first section of the game is quite linear. You go um through the first level. Uh but when you touch down on Earth, like this you go back up to the bunker after the first bit and they're like, We're redeploying you to this place to help the resistance, who are also androids. I don't know how they fit into the androids that are humans. Soldiers? Like augmented or... Yeah, these androids seem to be um, autonomous. Right. It's, it does sound like it follows
0: the same kind of convoluted story. Yeah. Um, as, as the previous titles. Yeah.
1: Uh, I haven't... So basically, um, you're down there and it's open world. You are doing quests. Uh, there are quest hubs, villages, and there's an open world map. And it's, it's really nice. Um, it's really fun. The gameplay is fluid. Um, I, but I do just wish that it would include more of i haven't really done any bullet health stuff since and the bullet health stuff is really fun the boss fights are really fun right that is like the the like mm, that, that's the good that's, stuff that's the
0: meat of the game yeah uh
1: and then there's like the uh the the rpg stuff is really nice because you see the world and you're talking to people in their story and stuff and uh, it characterizes the world but i really want to fight something like mm. it and it works because um, it keeps you engaged because you're like, when's the next time I'm gonna fight something? But it feels a bit sticking, carrot, you know. Okay. Yeah. Um, at the moment, but I'm not. I'm five hours in. Yeah. And I'm gonna say most of that was the first part of the game, so I'm not gonna complain. Okay. Uh, I will report back. Maybe and we'll see how it fared in that sort of respect. Hey, maybe I'll be. Maybe you'll be able to on that. tell me. <laughs> um, if by some
0: miracle it does arrive. Yeah. On, uh, on Monday.
1: Um. So, so far, it's really interesting. Like, just the mechanics of the game are... There's a lot to tinker with, and I like that. Um. Other things, it's just the design of the game is beautiful. Yeah. They, they've always been, like... Uh, Nier is a really nice-looking game with really weird off-the-wall designs uh-huh. uh, and stuff. And also, uh, just sort of, like, weirdly sexual? Or weirdly, like, sexualized. It is, yeah. Um. It's the same in this one. You do see the main character... You see her bum quite a lot. Yeah, to the to a degree where you're like, I'm a bit uncomfortable with the amount of times I see her bum. I'd maybe like to see her bum less. You know, and part I'm not,
0: of that's down to the design as well. Yeah, she's essentially wearing a leotard with a dress. Yeah,
1: so anytime you sprint, it, the the dress flies up and you see a bit of her bum. And mm. um, I'm like, I'm not playing this game to ogle her. I'm playing this game to fight robots. I mean, I don't mind seeing bum. Mm but i don't know why i'm seeing her bum every other m- moment but i'm not going to go into a-, sure. a big deep conversation about why i don't want to see this woman's bum as much as i'm seeing it yeah.
0: um I'm, I'm sure if dave was here you'd probably say well you know it's a japanese game yeah <laughs> but I mean, do do you feel that that maybe plays a part in it
1: i mean it's um i don't know cuz i feel like it's not that's a strange question i don't feel like it intends to be fan service okay the first game was weirdly like that as well mm. And it just seems to be, it's not limited to women either. Right. And also it's its not limited to, it's not like, haven't really touched on it much, but there's like the robots seem to be a wee bit androgynous. Right. Where they're not too concerned about gender. They're androids. Oh. Uh-huh. That it, it doesn't really matter that they're gendered. Like, why are they gendered? They can't have children or anything like that. Like they're gendered in as much as it's purely a gender thing, not a biological thing. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a lot of like, that it's a bit more fluid, which is kind of cool. Do you, think, feel,
0: do you feel it's maybe almost like, um, the director doesn't care that the character is, is somewhat exposed? Yeah, or. And it's like, it's, it's not a thing, it doesn't apply yeah. to anything, it doesn't, doesn't change anything about yeah. this character. Because I
1: think in Nier, there's also, um, characters who aren't, they're, they're not cisgendered, are they? I, I think well, there's I mean, a character in that game that is, is, is not, but that's not the focus of the game. Sure, I'm sorry. I don't want to go into a big. Thing I, d- about I didn't mean it, to derail yeah. the conversation. But you do see her bum a lot, and that's this. It's just a bit sort of like, why well, am I seeing her bum? Hmm. The music of the game is incredible. The music, I didn't expect it. I don't, you know. Respond. Do you know who it is that composed it? No idea.
0: I mean, from the, from the demo yeah. as well. Like the music sounded beautiful, and it
1: continues like that way, right? Um, uh, I could not tell you who it is. Certainly not somebody I know. Um, or I'm aware of their work yeah. apart from. From uh, the demo of Near, yeah, yeah. Um, there's not a lot more to talk about at this moment, having only been five hours into the game. Uh, but I would say that I'm hooked. I'm well hooked. The boss fights are tight, like, um, and I don't want to go into them because I don't want to spoil them for for yourself yeah. or for anyone who hasn't played it. Um, but Near gets a two thumbs up from me. It, we'll see how it goes. Cool. Going ahead.
0: I, um, I'm really. I mean, I can't explain how frustrated I am that it it isn't with me this weekend. Obviously I've had the chance to play Zelda as a result but I've been looking forward to this game for a long time
1: I would say it's probably not going to disappoint Cool. uh, One final thing, you can ride what is the plural of moose? Meese? No, Uh, no. I think
0: it's just moose Is it just moose? It's just
1: -mooses? mooses You can ride moose plural, there's more than one moose in the game and if you do ride it, you get probably the most prominent shot of her arse, <laughs> um, because she puts it right in the air and is like galloping along. Oh, um, right, okay, like yeah,
0: like riding a, a horse. Yeah. So she thing.
1: she puts her bum in the air, and it's just moose uh, moose bum, uh, android bum. It's a, there is certainly, I think, there is a preoccupation with her bum in this game. Okay. Uh, and depending on who you are, you might feel differently about. That bottoms, yeah, great game though. So cool. much fun. I've spoken about bum too much on this podcast. <laughs> um, that's cool.
0: I want to. Um, I want to find out who the the director is. I think it's Yokotaro, right?
1: Yeah, it is. He, um,
0: Yokotaro, is a funny guy.
1: Yeah, he's strange. Um, there was a thing where some people complained about the amount of sexualized. Actually, that's another point. He probably is just wanting to see your bum because some people complained about the bum before the game came out and he was like, Yeah, there's a bum. Actually it, there's a lot of lewd artwork being made by fans. If we could just somebody could just round that up into a weekly zip that I could have. Do you think
0: he was just like playing on a persona there or
1: I have no idea, but um there is now a weekly zip that gets sent to him, so it's a Twitter feed.
0: I know there were there were people doctoring images to make yeah. it more explicit than it, yeah. it should have been as well.
1: Um it's a weird game. I would say that the game itself doesn't really indulge in any of that that okay. much.
0: Let's um, go. Cool. I mean, I think that if the, if it did, it would just distract from, yeah. from what what is like a really abstract story and situation as well. Because yeah. I mean, like from what I've read into this, and I, I won't say too much because, firstly, I don't understand it. Yeah. But I mean, by all means, like, well, I can link to to some of the backstory of this. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, but I yeah I can't imagine that sexuality would play too much into.
1: No, um that so far actually there's been um to be is not a very emotional being. She tends to reject emotion or uh any sort of um
0: intimacy. Mm-hmm. So and that's that's apparent in the demo as well.
1: Yeah. Um and it's a bit confusing cuz I'm not really sure whether or not that's something she doesn't do. Or whether it's something an- certain androids don't do, because she's a combat android. And then there are other androids. And the other androids certainly ask each other out and try and go on dates and stuff, because that's, you talk to your operator and she's like, I asked out this girl, and she said no, and I'm really sad. Um, and then Tubi's like, I don't care. And then the, opera- the operator's like, yeah, but you care about me, don't you? And Tubi's like, whatever. I just need to be able to concentrate on my mission. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah. Um, Let's go. Cool. I'm looking forward to playing it. Certainly, I, I'm enjoying it a lot, and I am keen to uh, get really stuck in and learn more about this world.
0: I'm also hoping I can finish it before the 21st of
1: March, but so I don't think that's likely. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. It seems.
0: Um, and then even uh, shortly after that, as well, in April, I can't remember the exact date. Yeah. Persona Five. Yes, like which and these games are just going to like chew up so much of my time.
1: This is what me and Dave were talking about the other night. Twenty seventeen so far has been just churning out these games. Yeah, and they're all great games, really good games. We've had like, Resident Evil Seven, mm. uh, we've had Neo Gravity Rush Two, uh, Breath of the Wild, now Nier Automata.
0: Horizon Zero Dawn's been Horizon great, Horizon Zero
1: well. Dawn. Um, I th- I'm sure I've even missed a couple.
0: I mean, I think Night in the Woods was released recently as well. Loads of people have been shouting
1: its praises yeah. um, for honor. If if you're into For honor or yeah, right. um so it's going to be a busy year. There's yeah. more to come. Oh, uh, Numeria, Tides of Torment, or whatever it's called, the uh, spiritual successor to Planescape Torment that came out. Um, we've I, got. I don't know a lot about those ones. Ah, uh, Numeria games. Um, they're they're sort of like a uh, Baldur's Gate esque, oh okay, D type games. Um, Sonic Mania is coming out this year. Oh my goodness, Destiny Two possibly. Uh, there's certainly destiny stuff coming out this crash year. bandicoot in june yeah so um gonna kind of have to quit my job and play some video games <laughs>
0: yeah i think that's the only thing for it right yeah just become professional streamers and yeah make yeah. loads of money I mean, uh, it's, it's pretty easy, easy right yeah. yeah
1: i'm sure so should we finish up yeah that sounds like a good
0: idea okay so uh like we said before if you message us, um, what you're playing, what you're looking forward to, just, just message us. And if we read it out, like, we'll pick somebody at random and give you a, a Steam code. Yeah. Because we, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from the people that are listening. Certainly. Um, we'll give details, uh, after our poorly remembered game quote, which is this week from Dave. Oh God! If I knew this was going to happen, I would have taken rope escape lessons more seriously.
1: That's a good one. Do you know what it's from? I do know what it's from. Um, uh, and it's a good quote it's a it's an obscure one kind of rope escape lessons rope those escape those are real lessons yeah if you do know the answer or you
0: want to tell us what you've been playing you can get in touch with us podcast at com. there's a contact form on the website uh you can tweet us at Azarin tweets you can leave us a message on the Azarin podcast on facebook or Azarin on facebook i think that's
1: it yeah yeah
0: um and uh if you want to see any of the stuff that we've been talking about in this episode check out the blog post uh, it's on asaren.com um
1: but thank you for sticking with it and uh i was i was sad to have missed the big 20 last week but
0: well you know 30 is not too far away yeah we'll we'll oh, arrange man. something special for it i'm sure yeah but until then we've got another nine episodes
1: to go ah uh. Oh no. (laughs) Please hang in there. Yeah, thanks for listening, I guess. Cheers. Season.